myself are the Republican nominee for the Michigan State Board of Education. So I've been a Republican all my life, just in case people need to know that. But I'll introduce myself later on. I just wanted to welcome you. We have some phenomenal candidates here. I have endorsed them personally. And so I want you to hear from them. And we're going to get started by giving God the glory and, um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uganda, then country, there he is right there. So um, we're going to ask that um, Scott Hussain from Believers Christian Church come up and lead us in our prayer. And then Believers Christian Church and his wife, they brought food for us so that it's pretty good Believers Christian Church. So we want to thank you so much for this. Enjoy our leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of leftovers. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this um, gathering. We just ask your presence here by your Holy Spirit and you lead us and guide us into your truth. Father, make us aware. Compel us to be wise in your word, Father, not to be ignorant of the ways of the enemy, Father. There are things going on, Father, we need to be aware of. We need to stand for change, for pleasing and Glorifying to you, Father. So I pray that we come here with open hearts and open minds to receive, to ask questions, Father, to just make ourselves um, informed so we can be wise voters at the polls, Father. We just pray blessing over these candidates, continue to prosper them, go before them, Father, and just lead us all and all we do and all we say in this meeting. We ask for blessing. We pray for all your honor and glory and present in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Since you are a veteran or currently active duty, you can stand, please. And I would ask that Dennis Harris, Dennis Harris, come up, please, so we can lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you so much. If you're a first responder as well, law enforcement first responder, please stand as well. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your service. The Pledge of Allegiance. Of the United States of America, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. So, um, I was made aware that the mayor of Grand Lake passed recently, and so um, we're going to do a moment of silence for his family. Thank you. Thank you. So I wanted to lay out the format for you. The housekeeping is there's a restroom here uh, to my right here and to your left. Uh, there's food over in the corner. There's cookies, chips, and hot dogs. And my husband is a hot dog guy in Lansing. Lansing hot dog guy. So he's done some uh, catering at some of the uh, the schools here in Grand Ledge as well, and some from downtown. But um, I'm not going to cheat on my husband and eat a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, just so you know, he's not going to eat someone else's hot dog. This will be hot. So um, why we're here and what the format will look like, and we're going to get started with questions. We're here because you should have questions for the candidates 
that are representing you on the grand land will represent you, and hopefully the churches will represent you on the grand land school board. And so they have received lots of questions through social media, and I thought it would be a good time to have a forum so that we can um, get your questions answered. I have developed a rigorous group of questions, and they're, they're not softball So they're questions that are on my mind and heart as I decided to run um, go to Nineveh for what God is going on. So I'm going to Nineveh, and I'm running for the Michigan State Board of Education. It is a hot mess, that is what my family would say, my mom would say. Um, it's a hot mess, and things have changed. And so a little bit about me, you should have on your chairs, um, a flyer that says Harvard. My website is lindatarver.com. lindatarver.com. So there's a few videos on there. I don't back down from any issues that might be before. And I, and I will not allow them to be silent about issues that are facing them. So we're going to hit all of them today. So what I, I'm going to do is ask them a series of questions. And I'm going to ask them to give their the answers from their heart and their truthfulness. And I know them to be people of integrity. And so they're conservatives. Uh, I'm running as a Republican. This is a nonpartisan seat. I'm running in a partisan seat. So just so you'll know, I'm running as a Republican, and they're running as conservatives. And I know that they um, have a heart for the Lord, for the kids, and for this community. And so after I ask them questions, we will have an opportunity to write your questions down. Any questions that you might have, you can certainly write down. And if you need um, a pen and paper, we can have them available over here. We're going to take a break. You can write the questions. I will read your questions and to them. If you have questions of me, you can just put Linda Lee or whatever you want, Dr. Tarver, Linda Lee, or don't call me Lady Gaga, I don't die twice. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to do that, you can just ask me any questions. But this is actually about them and about your community, because all politics is local and it's important. But LindaTarver.com, you'd like to lock it in, you'll get my story, you'll hear my voice, you'll, and the issues and why I stand. And so, um, we're going to get started real quick. Everyone on my heart, good. Okay, so we're going to get started, and um, again, we'll take a break. If, we, if it gets too warm in here, please let us know. We've got some great people around the room that we can ask questions of. So I'm going to do the um, the beautiful chair. And if can you hear? Can everyone hear us? Mm -hmm. I think the acoustics in here is really good. So let's get to the first question. Tell us about yourself and why you are running for Grand Ledge Public Schools. My name is Abby Williams. I am a third generation uh, resident of Grand Ledge, second generation graduate of Grand Ledge High School. I have three children here. And I am running for the school board because within the last three years, I started attending a school board meeting. And I would hear parents pour their hearts out. Um, to what was going on at their homes, what they needed, what their kids needed to excel, 
and I wanted to make sure that parents are being listened to and that we are doing the best for our students. Same question. What, uh, tell us about yourself and why you're running for Grand Rapids School Board. My name is Kim Montserrat. I have three girls that went to the Grand Rapids School and now six grandchildren that have either graduated from or are currently attending Grand Rapids School. And when the COVID shutdown came down, I started watching some of the school board meetings and, and then they were opening up attending them and looking into some of the issues that some of the teachers were talking about. And when I saw what our test scores were, that two-thirds of our third graders are not proficient in reading and literature in English class. I, I just couldn't believe that. So I thought, this can't be true. So I started doing some investigating and looking more into it and found that it was true, that that data came from michiganschoolsdata.org, which is the state site that pulls out all the data. And uh, I am just, I am radically ready to restore those lost years that those kids have had. I guess when I found out that those scores had been going down even before COVID, I thought there's something going on. It's not just the COVID shutdown, there's something else going on. And uh, when you ask those questions, you don't get any answers. So um, I just want to make sure that our students are able to read proficiently, be able to write, and be able to communicate. Jason, same question. Tell us about yourself and why you're running for Grand Rapids. Uh, my name is Jason Deepaw, and uh, I have three kids in the district. Um, one at just about every school, uh, high school, middle school, and intermediate. Um, I think for me, it all started, I mean, if I go back, and I won't make it a long story, um, to 2016 when I enrolled my son um, in Grand Lake Preschool, and noticed that there was no accountability for staff. Meaning my son has a disability, he's got special needs, and when he is going out a door and running a moving bus because a parasol let him run out of the building, I have a problem with the parents. Why is it when I address this with HR, administration, school board, I got no answer and she was able to maintain a job? No discipline, no nothing other than it won't happen again. For me as a parent and a protector of my kids, this doesn't set well. On top of the fact that I will protect my wife, who in 2018 to 2019 was threatened by a substitute teacher in Grand Rapids. Threatened. The sub was actually going to shoot her. Why is it I email a school board, administrators, and nothing happens? We have the pandemic, and I start to see what our students are learning. And I was called from the board meeting, so I showed up and was here. Board members say, I was voted on, I don't have to listen to you anymore. That's a problem. We are elected officials. I need to start that. They are elected officials. They were elected by us. They need to answer to us. They need to answer our concerns and questions. And I believe that that's what we need to get back to. Holding staff accountable, listening to the parents, and actually holding ourselves accountable to reply to every concern that parents have. And let's get education that is going downhill based on what Tim said at Chuck's back to where they should be 
and give these kids the proper education that they deserve. Make sure that the students are receiving the services and education that they need and that parents are involved in that. Also, the school board is at the top of the list for making sure that all of our students and our staff are safe while they are in school. Yeah, same question. What is the role of the Grand Rapids Public School Board? So, the role of the school board member is to be an advocate for students and a voice for the community, to be able to listen to the community and be able to respond and be an advocate for those students. Um, it's also our responsibility to oversee how funds are spent and make sure that the money that you pay as taxpayers isn't being spent in a way that you voted that it should be spent. Jason, same question. What's the role of the Grand Rapids Public School Board? So I believe the role of the Grand Rapids School Board member is to make sure, like I said earlier, our children get the proper education. That we are put, putting forth a curriculum that is state approved. Not just throwing out some curriculum that a teacher has asked to be put out there, that we follow the state guidelines on what curriculum needs to be out there. I believe as well as um, responding and listening to all concerns of all community members, um, parents, um, stakeholders within the district, but assuring that our kids are getting that proper education going forward. So, Ms. Tracy, what are the top three issues in no particular order facing students and parents of the Grand Rapids Public School District? Top three issues to you in regards to students of the community. I think that the top three issues right now are transparency, safety, and communication with all parents. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the top three issues on my mind are student achievement. Transparency on curriculum and finances, and teacher and staff support. Jason, your top three. Uh, my top three would be test scores, safety and security, and class size. So, based on the issues that you presented, Jason, um, with respect to security, what policing or security issues do you face? Well, looking at it, I know that obviously Grand Lake is currently in a deficit uh, financially. But I believe that we need to make sure that our students are safe and our staff are safe and they're in the building. So, potentially, we need to look at um, hiring security guards at every building to make sure our students are safe. That's the first thing. If we can't handle that, then we need to make sure that all doors are locked, which granted they are, but they're locked propped open. So they need to be remain locked and shut. One way in, one way out. Now, if you go to any of the buildings, you have to ring a doorbell to be let in. Are they coming to the door to verify who you are and why you actually have business at the school? No, they're saying, come on in. Anybody can walk in that building and go left, right, straight ahead and do whatever they want and nobody's stopping. Why can't we have the staff come out of the office meet that person at the door and find out what business they have at the building before allowing them in to the building. As a parent of three children, two are daughters. I will protect my kids and I will make sure that when I'm elected to the school board, that I'm protecting all of your kids and grandkids moving forward. Mm -hmm. 
On the issue of um, actually on the issue of transparency, financial transparency, what solutions do you bring to the table? One of them would be using that idea that we mentioned earlier is the work needs to be accessible and it needs to be easy. The community parents need to know that when they are communicating with people that they can be multiple members, um, they're being responsive to and that it's not falling on deaf ears that you can be read. Um, also, curriculum has been a big one. Myself as a parent, as well as for other people that I have worked with. And curriculum is something that is not easily accessible. If you were to go out there and look to see what your team is learning in this specific English class and what books they're reading, it's not out there. That is something that should be easily available for all community members and parents to have. So you mentioned uh, achievement. On the issue of achievement, what solutions do you bring to the table? Well, we've gotten an awful lot of money from the federal government to be able to try to overcome some of these problems that we have as reading achievement and other issues that the learning loss that they had throughout COVID. To be able to take some of that money and provide tutors for those children that are not achieving where they need to be achieving is probably one of the main one things. We need to find out where these students are individually, not as a group, and be able to get them with the resources that they need to be able to help them to catch up, first of all, but then make sure that they stay on that path all the way through graduation. Well, thank you. This is the first round, and I'm going to now do individual questions um, for each one. So I in no particular order, but I want individual questions to, to um, speak on the topics that are that are on your minds and that are on the minds of parents and alumni too, because I've been traveling. But before I do that, are there any candidates in the room, any candidates <coughs> uh, that are running for office? If you are, would you stand up? Yes, you raise your hand. What office are you running for and where? State legislature in the 77th district. Okay. Um, and so where's the 77th district? Oh, that's like the of critical race theory 
down into the public school in grades as young as kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. These children do not have the capacity at this age to be able to understand and what they're, what they're doing is they are telling the children, they're breaking them into groups that uh, because you're black, you're oppressed and because I'm white, I'm oppressive. Yeah, so they're creating more divides. Critical race theory divides us. It's a soft form of Marxism. And Marxism, they tried it back in the 70s, I think it was, with class warfare. They didn't get through with that. So now the new thing is race. And so they're going to divide us by race. And when you start dividing classes and children by race, you've got that, that's racism. You've got to And we fought for civil rights in the 1960s. Yeah. And now we're going backwards by telling Linda Lee, for example, that she's oppressed. And maybe not quite as, you know, flippant as I am. So we need to give her some, some equity because she's not that smart as I am. Right. I can get this. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Ashley, what are your thoughts on social emotional rights? Social-emotional learning is very dangerous and it's not been the end. Um, those that have gone through the proper training and have the education um, are counselors, are social workers. Those are the resources that we need to be using when our students need traditional help. Our teachers in Grand Rapids have amazing teachers. I've gone through preschool, I have two children currently going to preschool or one that's already graduated. We have amazing, amazing teachers. They don't need any more on their plate. They need to be able to teach our children. We have amazing counselors that have gone through a four plus year of public education. They have hired into education to be able to be the ones that help those students when they need it. Let them do the work. Let's let our teachers teach. Let's let our counselors and our social workers be the ones to get the additional support that the students need. And if we need less SELs and more ABCs, we can. So, um, just to add in on the critical race theory, um, when I grew up, they were having the Big Bang Theory. How many of you remember Big Bang Theory in school? It's a theory. I'm a Christian, I believe in creation. So, um, the theory of the Big Bang that somehow the universe exploded and moved out all of these and that we descended from the Amoeba um, has never been proven true. Uh, that man came from apes has never been proven true. And so it, it, it's not true. But those theories have been around a long time. Critical race theory is about oppression and it is indeed about um, victims. But the vic victim migrants are not necessarily, it, it, it is liberalizing and policy, and especially in the urban communities. And so that critical race theory. And then social emotional learning is a push for transgender students who, um, at a higher rate, commit suicide. And so it is for a very small fraction of people um, that, they're, that they're looking at. One of the attributes for social emotional learning is that it requires a more um, 
inserted uh, school and bureaucracy into your child's life rather than a chance. There are departments of mental health. There are departments of social services and uh, community mental health and community services. And there are other volunteer organizations that will help you when you meet the hierarchy of needs for food and clothing. But the government pays for free and reduced lunch and breakfast for children, and they also provide support services for children who are struggling with other um, mental health and emotional challenges. They want to make it, they want to make gender dysphoria a, um, a mainstream recognized issue in the classroom, and they want other children to deal with it rather than the child who's uh, dealing with the gender dysphoria. So I just wanted to share that with you. Jason, what are your thoughts on mask mandates and vaccine mandates? Well, I will say that number one, that's a hot topic just like everything else that we so far been talking about. Um, what I would say is it's the parent's right. The parent wants to send their kids to school wearing a mask or getting a vaccine. That's on the parent. If I don't want to send my kids to school without a mask, I will send them to school without a mask. I don't believe that a school board, a principal, or any type of school whatsoever should make it a mandate and force students to wear masks or get a vaccine just to attend a public education. So I am fully against making a mandate and leave it up to the parents. It's parents' choice. And just so you'll know, most of the urban communities in Michigan were masking up until the June of this year. So Detroit, Lansing, Flint, Pontiac, Benton Harbor, and even Lansing was masking. Because of political expediency that the, in my opinion, the governor did not want the larger school, 50,000 children in Detroit public schools, did not want them to go into voting in November with masking. Detroit superintendent and the board lifted the mask mandate until after the election. And that is horrendous. The, the health science warned that masking children is a detriment to their ability to learn and their health. Putting a mask on all day for children is not healthy. And they are likely not to contract or to die from COVID. And in 2020, I understood, you know, the, the issues, but masking children should have never occurred. And with respect to the masking, I just wanted you to know, just a few minutes down the road, Lansing was masking way, way different. And uh, different other little suburban communities were not, and they were not masked after school. So the children go to McDonald's together, they didn't have to wear a mask, but they did all during the school time, and even on the buses. So you need to know the hypocrisy as well and make sure Brenda does not follow you. Yeah. But I'm gonna just look at you, but I say amen. <laughs> Of the people's 
by cooperating with the people's parents and legal guardians to develop the people's intellectual capabilities and vocational skills in a safe and positive environment. How does this law, NCLB 80.10, affect Grand Ledge schools? Now, it's not a suggestion, it's a law. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about it. That it's a law, follow the law. Grand Ledge has had far too many lawsuits, and that we've got several going on right now, that it's costing the taxpayers millions of dollars for no reason other than the school board did not follow law. That's my thought. Hey, you know that. <laughs> Ashley, given um, the Michigan Administrative Code Rule 400.9401.7, and I did share this with her in the book, so not that I wanted to squint her on it, but she had to memorize it. <laughs> But given Administrative Code Rule 400.9401, subsection 7, it says, children of the opposite sex, any of whom are more than five years of age, shall not share the same bedroom. This is a tip of day for foster care for any children. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden's Title IX recommendations to require schools to develop a transgender policy that displays boys in girls' bathrooms and lockers. Well, we can see the differences. I mean, there is a Michigan law that addresses this. Um, for any biological opposite gender, five or over, they don't have to share the same bedroom. That shouldn't be, it shouldn't be any different than a locker room or a bathroom. Um, there are many students of all ages that are self-aware and do not want to be cheating in front of another girl. Why should we put them into a situation that makes them even more self-aware and uncomfortable? And when it comes to any policy changes that Grand Ledge School makes, those policy changes should be discussed with parents prior to any implementation, and parents should have an input in it. Well, they must cooperate with the parents. They must cooperate, yes. That's what the law says. That is what the law says, and we need to follow the law. Jason, books and the banning of books around the state and across the nation. Uh -huh. In Dearborn, they had a policy that um, they put into place to address the request from parents. What are your thoughts on the potential for pornography in the Grand Ledge Public Schools and how Dearborn Public Schools handle parental concerns? Well, number one, let me just say pornography doesn't belong in schools, period. Um, I have done some research and found an article about the Dearborn situation. Um, Dearborn actually formed a committee um, of people that um, would actually go through books that were suggested by parents that didn't belong in the library. They will research them, and if they feel that they don't belong, then they will have them removed. Um, I believe that that is something that Grand Ledge needs to focus on. Um, we know, and we've seen the list of library books that are in the high school, that fall in this category. I will say that we have requested several times for these books to be removed and or looked at, and again, the board is silent or not do it. Um, if you were to look up on your own, a book called The Long Black, and you get 
called. Um, go ahead and read through some of that. It'll wake up your eyes because that book is found in a Marymount public school library. So why are we allowing un inappropriate age books in a school library for children of younger ages that are holding on and reading? It doesn't belong. We need to be getting this age-appropriate material in the library um, here in Grand Rapids. Thank you. Yeah. It's probably There are other books as well that are in the schools right now that have pictures depicting different kinds of sex acts. So not only do you have the, the written word, you've got pictures in there as well. So Dearborn, because our number Dearborn um, Public Schools and how they approach kids, as Jason indicated, is that they remove the books that reflect the parents, they form a committee to evaluate them. And, and that's not being done at your current Grandland school board. It's not being done. There's no constitutional right to have a book in a library. There's no constitutional right to a library for a school, but certainly no constitutional right to have a book, whether it's a sentence or not. So removing the book off the shelves until it can be evaluated is the best way to go, and these three will make sure that that happens and represent you well. And this is a hot topic for me. Yeah. And um, when I approached the administration and said there are no pornographic books in the school libraries. We are not for banning books. They can get them at this library if they want. Just walk over here. But there's no reason it should be inside the school. And in some cases, it's part of the So Kim, this question is of particular interest to me. My great nephew uh, attends the Grandland Public Schools here in Grandland. Um, my niece, um, it's in the Grand Ledge Public Schools District. She is a teacher in Lansing Public Schools. And um, she received a call from Grand Ledge uh, from a uh, teacher or counselor and calling him a name that she did not teach him or register him for. And she said, I think you have the wrong child. No, this is how he wants to be identified. It's a nickname. It's a boy's name for a boy named Dill. It's a name that she did not register him as, nor did she know that they were calling him this name at the school. So the law says, Michigan Compiled Law says under 711.1, subsection 7, that changing the name of a minor 14 years and under must be made by a judge with parental approval. The Grandland Public Schools have instituted a practice of allowing children a nickname or to rename themselves and identify differently than at home or with the parental knowledge or approval. What, if any, are the implications of this practice? Well, again, I go back, it's against the law. This is not rocket science. There are laws on the books, on the books for situations such as these. And if you go back to, but again, not only that, but uh, MCLC 80.10, where if a child 
child wants to be known as something other than that family of birth because she has nothing and doesn't understand in school. You need to talk to the parents. That's the whole thing. If a child identifies as something other than what their name is, take it to the parents. It's up to the parents to decide. If the parent says, yes, I agree with Johnny, I want him to be known as whatever. JJ. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then that's fine. If it's not, then that's something that the teachers and the administration have to abide by according to the law. And what about the child's pronouns? If the child wants to be called a they or it or she or he or them or her or whatever, what about that? But if the parents say, well, you know, wait a minute, no, 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 we're, we're going to be working with Johnny on this issue, you are to call him in. Then go by law. Ashley, Delancey Public School District, Valley Grove, hired West Ed for their diversity, equity, and inclusion report. In March of this year, March 17th of this year, the report showed racial discrimination low expectations, and 92% of all black students in the Lansing Public School District are not proficient in any subject. Would you support a similar report in Grand Lake Public Schools? I would. I think the report of this magnitude and the items that it will share and shed light on is very important because then it will tell us where we are lacking, where we are doing well, and it will give us a guidance on what we need to do to make sure that our district is the district that is of excellence. We are giving those kids what they need and what they deserve. If we don't know what we are lacking, we don't know what to change. So I would support this very important. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the report for everyone who's, um, if you Google Lansing schools, low expectations is the March of 2022 report. Um, the summary of that report is startling for you. But just down the road, 92% of all black children are not proficient in any subject in the city of Lansing. And um, you want to know why Lansing is ranked number nine in the nation for the most violent city in America? Not in Michigan, number nine. According to the FBI statistics in 2020, one of the, the ninth most violent city in America, Lansing, where I live. I just wanted to give you that FYI. And, and, there's, and there's one of the reasons why. You can't have that in Grand Lake. Jason. Well, we shouldn't have it in Lansing either. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not working on a school district here uh, in Grand Lake. You know, I'm, I'm taking one school district at a time. So. salary increases and other areas that increase long-term debt. 
Detroit increased salaries so much they tout not having a teacher shortage. What is your view on the um, thoughts on the COVID-19 relief spending in Grand Lake Public Schools? Well, let me just say this. Grand Lake received a great deal of money from the COVID relief. And we all know that. Nationwide. Let me break it down for you, if I can. The American um, Rescue Plan, um, Grand Lake received just about $2.5 million. Federal COVID Fund, they received $1.7 million. And on the ESSER, they received about um, $330,000 on top of a $52,000 um, fund. Now, as far as how they spent it, let me just say this. With no tra transparency, how do we know? As taxpayers. How do we know what they really spent their money on? Um, and one of the board meetings, I know they gave out a list of recommendations on what they would love to spend the money for. Did it happen? I have no idea. I did a lot of research on this last night. I went through the website to find financials. There is nothing on the website. And as stakeholders, we have the right to know where that money was spent based on the amount where, where did the money go? So, what I left is, we will have that transparency, and I will let you know where every single dime is going in this district, because you have the right to know. One of the first things that we had talked about doing was when we came in the first quarter, is looking over the budget and looking over the COVID monies that we got and seeing where they went. And unless it directly affects the teachers or the students or school safety, it's costly and it could be. If we have the money for it, great. If we don't have the money for it, we have to cut. Again, that report was from the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, urging schools to spend COVID relief money to recover learning loss instead of adding themselves. Flint Public Schools received $50,000 per child. I kid you not. 50 G's per child. They gave the teachers a $12,500 raise when they were teaching from home. That long-term expenses, we could have hired a tutor every day for these children. And I will tell you, they do not have that plan in place in Genesee County and in the Flint Public Schools. It is feverish that
finding out which students need that help and giving them the resources to be able to catch up. And then again, continuing through that until they graduate. Because between, well, through COVID, we know that we've had such a high truancy rate because they suspended, you know, all truancy issues. It's no doubt that when truancy went up during COVID, especially the low school area, that banking became the ninth most dangerous city in the US. Unless we want to either pay for our children to educate them now, or we can pay for them to pick them up in incarceration later. Now here, here. Uh, the the link between the inner city truancy motion is sharing one of the, the issues that I took exception with is that the entire state school district did not follow the truancy protocol in the law to call a parent if your child does not check in to their school. So that would be an easy one. You can't get COVID from a cell phone or a phone. Am I right? Pick up the phone and find out why your child did not check in previously during the lockdown. And they have not instituted truancy. Truancy leads to delinquency. And delinquency leads to um, criminal activity. If you've got too much time on your hands and you don't need to go to school, you don't need to check in, because the school districts are still doing the check for you. That's what was going on. And even in Grand Ledge, you needed to pick up a phone. When my children missed the first hour, if I did not call right away, I got a call. Where are your children? Where are your children? They're not here. So that that occurs. We're going to take questions, so please write them down. Yes, and then, um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Ashley, a school board in Illinois recently proposed the DEIJ, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice Policies, that would have accommodated a grading scale based on your race and color of skin. School board members in Illinois discussed the plan called Transformative Education Professional Development Grade Intensity at Williams Home near Texarkana. However, in May of this year, an effort to equalize test scores amongst racial groups and not requiring that black children who um, were uh, charged or absent in school be held uh, for that in the grading system. The community revolted, but the school board felt it necessary. What are your thoughts on equity and justice in education as a candidate for Grand Lakes? I think that all students need to be made aware of the district's policies, the standards, and the expectations. All students are to be held accountable on the same level. Um, it's equal rights, it's not extra rights, and it's not setting on measures. Say that again, equal rights? Equal rights, not extra rights. Mm -hmm. Not having any measures. We all need to remember that, yes. Children need equal rights. They don't need extra. No group needs extra rights. And no one needs to tread on our rights or any other person's rights. So thank you. Thank you. Jason. In 2021, a Michigan judge ruled in favor of a Christian club that be allowed to have a Christian leader. Like sororities, 
have women leaders and fraternities have male leaders. Uh, those are allowed to discriminate based on gender or other however dynamics of the club. What are your thoughts on protecting religious rights and other civil rights in Grandex Public Schools? <clears throat> well, I believe that we need to protect them as a club. They are a club. Um, and that violates their civil rights to mean that they are a club. Um, here's a couple of examples, if I can share them with you. So, as far as a Christian club, are we going to allow an atheist to come in and run that club? Probably not. We have a, let's, let's talk about this, we have a black student union club in Hazlitt, Michigan. Are we going to allow a white individual to come and run a black club? National Honor Society, you have to have a 3.5 GPA in order to be a part of that club. Are we going to allow somebody with a lesser GPA to be a part of that club? No. They have made their own guidelines and rules based on it being a club. We have to protect their rights and lay out what they have. Now, if we're talking it's a class that is put on by Grand Lake Public Schools, then fine. We will not discriminate. We will allow this to happen. But we're talking about a club. And these clubs need to be protected going forward. They're not discriminating against anybody because they have their own bylaws that they will follow. Yeah. On September 2nd, 2022, Michigan State University released a new report showing thousands of Michigan's third graders are missing the mark in reading. The data is concerning, especially to Angela Hood, the Executive Director of Campus Energy Literacy Network. She said, Ms. Hood said, when we talk about literacy at third grade level, it is a pivotal point where we learn to read, then we need to learn. She went on to say, without intervention, there will be a lifelong consequences for illiteracy. What are your thoughts on the urgency and necessity of an aggressive reading plan for Grand Lake Public Schools? It's absolutely paramount. And the, the whole reason why we even have schools. I mean, why bother having school unless the kids can learn how to read? Because if a child can't read, they can't learn. If a child doesn't, uh, if they don't know how to write, they're not able to communicate. And if they don't understand math, it doesn't give them the critical thinking skills to be able to critically think about different issues that arise in their life. So getting back to reading, writing, and arithmetic, I am radical about that. Because it's just, it's crazy that we even have schools if kids can't learn those things. I, um, I was approached by a podcaster in Detroit. He um, took me aside and my husband was there. He said his son was going into a high school and he was going straight to the varsity football team, which is a big deal. And because the other students were going into the junior varsity JV his son made varsity as a freshman going into the school. They went to the eighth grade assembly and they were going to award him his you know, signing day. And they had all the nice little jackets on. It's the signing day for the assembly. And they wanted the students to sign uh, this agreement that they would attend school 
you know, for football um, requirements to be a good athlete. And the son came to him crying and said, Dad, I don't have time. Eighth grade, did not know how to sign his name. And so I'm telling you that it's happening in this state. I'm going to handle my business with your daughter. If I'm elected, you send me a family, we'll handle that. But I want you to know what was going on in this state. Could not sign his name. Former slaves and sharecroppers used to use an X. And some of the people who were not able to sign, they used an X. And that little boy was using an X in eighth grade in Detroit. So I just needed to share that with you. Ashley, in April of 2020, she was the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Holt Public Schools. Circulated an internal memo mentioning his desire to set up a private space within the schools for minority students, where white people are not allowed. His memo included a link, I can't make this up, I promise you. <laughs> okay, I, I can't even make this up. It's in, it's, the article is here, it, it's, it's been published widely about um, Holt um, Public Schools. His memo included a link to an article written by Kelsey Blackwell and posted on a website called the Arrow uh, Journal. It carries the title, Why People of Color Need Spaces Without White People. This occurred in the adjoining county of Ingham, some 20 minutes away at Holt Public Schools. Is this DEI? And if not, what would be your response if you were presented with this at Granville Public Schools? Yeah, it's segregation. We fought segregation many, many years ago, and it, it does not have a place here in Grand Lodge, and it doesn't have a place in any public school. Thank you. Thank you. Clap on that Children based on color. Yeah. 
individual, I'm not going to name names, sent an email to the school board calling me a racist. Funny thing is, I've heard a rumor that Dr. Tarver has been called a racist and a white supremacist. <laughs> I mean, she, <laughs> my local newspaper, you can Google it. She's the leader of the club, and I am proud to stand in that thank club. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I'm not. I, it's true. They called me a racist, white supremacist in the local land, and that's pretty close. As I reflect on that, I started home today. And I want to just read this piece before I get into the meat and potatoes of the question. We are all equal. We all come from the same creator. If we remember that simple fact, then our future is truly limitless. There's nothing that we as a community cannot do. 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love will complete us. Why in the world do we have to sit here and divide? Grant Lynch has never excluded anybody from coming to their school. Grant Lynch includes anybody. My two stepdaughters are half Cuban and half white. And if I'm a racist, I wouldn't care about them. I love those kids to death. And for Greenland to try to turn the school district into a DEI community and segregate blows my mind. Because I will tell you, Back in 2020, when Black Lives Matter came full force into everybody's social media and lives, I said, what happened to all lives matter? You can't just say it's one and not the other. All lives matter. Grand Lake includes everybody. We have to get back to educating our kids. You want to include everybody, and Grand Lake talks about making students feel safe in the buildings. Well, it's funny that my stepdaughter can't even say that her uncle is a police officer. Because she's like a bootleg. Are you kidding me? It drives me nuts. I don't care where you stand, I don't care how you feel. The American flag, the state of Michigan flag, are the only things that should be displayed in any classroom, in any building, in Great Lakes. Get this all the other colleges. Use this funding for quite some time, and it goes on deaf ears. You can ban the Confederate flag on Great Lakes, but by God, you'll allow every other BLM pride flag and everything else flag in there, all the propaganda that is in these buildings. How can students feel safe walking into a classroom? if they don't agree with your stance as a teacher. They don't feel safe. They're hesitant to come into your classroom. But yet, really, we want our students to feel safe. We want them to feel safe, get rid of the garbage. 
is back to the basics. Come on, let's educate our kids the way they should be. So, we all in this room were there many years ago. September 11th, the day after, we all came together from all walks of life, from all beliefs, from all races, and we were one. That is what we need again. We need a sense of community and of being one and together here in Grand Lodge. Grand Lodge needs to have that. We need to get that back. Stop electing people who divide among race. Please. If it is a political ideology, I'm running as a Republican, these are, these are nonpartisan seats. But I already know, I'm here to tell you, the liberal left is insane. And I can use the finger bones right now. But the, the leaders of the liberal left are insane. With the policies that are killing kids and killing communities and causing academic deficits and focusing in on pronouns instead of rewriting arithmetic. Please discontinue symbols that divide. My mother was the first woman to be a deputy sheriff at the Ingham County Sheriff's Department when she retired. My mama was a popo. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a racist and I'm not a lesson deputy sheriff at Ingham County Sheriff's Department. I am one of those aberrations and my husband's a lesbian. So, let's just go with it, okay? But at the end of the day, we're still people. And we still love our country. We need to get back to a love of country and a curriculum that respects and honors these people. My husband's a hot dog. Um, <laughs> 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 I was a hot dog vendor in, in Lansing, and this recently happened. The police, Lansing Police Department wanted to be, but I'm pointing to this woman here who is protecting us and, and serving, thanking, <laughs> and, and this lady here who is uh, doing an admirable job. I love you all. But Lansing Police, and I want you two to hear this. My husband will come to you if you need him. But the Lansing police wanted to do community outreach and went to black businesses to get catering for their neighborhood association. And there was a blackout. They prohibited any black-owned businesses and restaurants from selling food or from giving food away from the contracting with the Lansing Police Department. They called my husband didn't think that he was, they thought that he was, they were blackballed to cater food for a community event. He could give out food, both food, whatever food these restaurants, all the black owned businesses said, no, we won't work with the police department. From little, I promise you this happened. And my husband called and said, yeah, sure. They said, are you sure? Yeah, I'll take your money. <laughs> out there with police. Okay. <laughs> he couldn't figure out why the guy kept asking him grilling questions, so he finally put me on the phone. You need to talk to my wife. I guess there's a lot of <laughs> So I talked to the, um, the, the detective, 
He said, we're trying to do a community event and outreach in the urban communities and uh, predominantly black neighborhoods. And we wanted to give out food and we try to hire a black business owner to do the catering for us. I said, what's the problem? He said, you were the last name on the list and everyone else told us no. That happened in Lansing. Small businesses in Lansing refused to serve with the police in Lansing. And, and that is happening down the street. We must end the divisiveness. And that was just over some food. They don't want to be seen with law enforcement. Yes, so again, we have issues, but we're going to work through it through our children. We're going to educate, and we're going to go out there and preach and pray and, and do what we need to do. So we're going to take a two-minute break. Let's say 10 minutes um, break for Western food over there, chips and everything. And then we have paper and pencils over there for your questions. You can give them to me. And then we'll finish the forum with Q&A for myself and the three awesome, amazing school board candidates. All right? <laughs> But we're going to try to go through them rather quickly. So before we do that, I wanted to introduce uh, a candidate. We want to get him to come on up so you can um, hear from him and why he's running and what he's, what he's doing a little bit about it. Happy to talk to everybody, and if I'm not talking loud enough, loud enough, let me know if it's not good or bad either. Uh, and that 
police in the area having absolutely no problem with it. They said they were happy that a process was done. They were just wondering that it's probably a factor that they were from the elected official duties. But, um, I guess moving toward more of what's going on here, I'm very, very interested in the education of the CSOC, not the least of which is that there's a quote of a dean that was from Manitoba, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And what he said is, the education system is the reproductive system. And it is, because you have to remember, the brilliant people who, for the most part, generally tend to be homosexually deviant or believers in modern day child sacrifice that they would like us to perform the board. And that so, What is done in the education system is that because, because uh, it is very uh, much the case that there's not as many children as there's one on the other side of the aisle, they need both. <laughs> they need access to your children, our children, to be able to continue these ideas moving forward. So that's why the purpose is really to teach them racial teach them that because one skin color is different from the other, that Therefore, uh, they're, they're institutions of what they hate them, so to speak, which could render to stop all these things. Because they're the only way to keep these ideas going. They need your children to do it, they need everyone else's. So if we can win this battle in terms of education, then we have a good chance of being able to make very long, good long term changes. Um, I think that, that that is an area of entertainment also, uh, entertainment, the arts, that kind of thing. Those are areas where we need to make inroads to reach our own culture, these kinds of things, to be able to make lasting changes for generations. Otherwise, it has a tendency to go the other way. We need to center our numbers when we do these leaders. It's like what we do when we are people who hold our numbers. So it's important then that we have uh, good people, like the leader here, who are trying to uh, change the education system, trying to make sure that. Uh, your values are not snuffed out, they're not pushed out of the uh, other qualifications here, so that there's an opportunity to be able to uh, to be able to make lasting changes. So yes.
Because trust me, my family did not appreciate them calling me a racist. I, I thought it was humorous. But everybody in my family did not. And I get taxed regularly. And so I'm going to deal with the first attack um, that I get and that they're getting right now. So that we can, this is the first question I've heard and read on social media that the three of you are homophobic. Is this true? And if not, are there any of you opposed to any LGBTQ plus living groups? And so I've been called a homophobe and I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Homophobia is a fear. I fear no man. I fear no man. I don't have a fear of any man. Gay, straight, or otherwise. That's what phobia is. I have, me and the Lord are dealing with my arachnophobia. Yes, I fear spiders. <laughs> but I don't fear any man. So, no, I'm not homophobic. You give people rights. Former civil rights commissioners, I would go to the bat for equal rights. For those who I may disagree with politically, spiritually, and everything else. But I am not going to give you extra rights. You don't get extra rights, and you don't get to tread on my rights. Period. And so long as we can coexist with that respect, then we can. I don't have to be a person who embraces a lifestyle that I believe is different and that is rejected. But I can tell you that the Lord died for you. And that he loves you and so do I. But I will fight for your rights. Your equal rights. Not for your extra rights. For your equal rights. You can answer that if you want to deal with the homophobic and the LGBTQ laws. This is something where I'm not yet seeing this as it pertains to myself. And I would say, I mean, when she started, when she started this, we are regular people, we have families, we are putting ourselves out there. I've never planned on running for any type of office, political, school board, otherwise. The farthest I've ever gone was being involved in my kids' sports booster clubs. But I am also a person, and my children are also people in the community. So I believe that we should all treat each other with respect. Um, as far as me being a homophobic, no, I think that's very laughable. I'm not sure where anybody would get that impression of for myself. And as far as a screening group that is LGBTQ+, I think that all students should have a club outside of the school that pertains to their interests. And I would support that as a club, absolutely. Students should feel welcome, but it shouldn't be forced upon other students in the classroom setting if they can't be in the My opinion. I, I concur with what both of you have said so far. There is, if we, if we take down, and I've been supporting this from day one, take down all flags other than the United States flag and the state of Michigan flag, and just treat each other with respect and kindness, I don't care. I, I don't care what your skin color is, what your sexual identity is. It doesn't matter to me. As long as you don't 
force it onto the children in the school. And by, by forcing it on the children, having uh, a whiteboard up that says clear of the week, and having that teacher have them read a story about somebody who is of the LGBTQ community. That is just wrong. What, if they can't, if they're allowed to do that, why can't I put up a whiteboard that says Christian of the week? Or why can't you put up a whiteboard that says, uh, oh, BLM supporter of the week? I mean, it's MAGA supporter of the week. There, we could, you can go down all sorts of rabbit holes. Take it out of there. If you want to have a, a club afterwards, I don't have a problem with that. If the children want to take a club and, and put together a club uh, for LGBTQ, I have a problem with that. I'm not going to say that. Again, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm telling you, we're not defending our youth. And, and we're not defending it, we're just answering questions. I told you homophobia is a fear of those who happen to be homosexual. That's the fear of phobia. There's not a fear of it. Period. There's family and friends who are gay and, and transgendered in my family. I'll take a bullet for them. But I'm not going to allow their lifestyle to dictate the quality of education or the lack thereof. In the public history. 
a week, maybe. Because it is part of our university. It is something we as a community need to learn, get more involved in, get more adapted. So this question is a club. I will follow you. Caitlin Jenner and other conservative voices who are transgendered or are part of the gay community, every gay conservative that I know of, and that is on the national level, are against some of these prop programs and the uh, focuses on the school. Caitlin Jenner just recently said, we need to get back to reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's what Caitlin Jenner said. And, you know, I'm going to defer to the community that, um, but the conservative voices that make sense. And that's who makes sense. That's what makes sense. That is not the focus. That's not the focus. And I would not allow my family members to go and infiltrate schools to bring about their own personal focus for the LGBT agenda. Period. The only agenda is reading, writing, and arithmetic. And until we're in this It's just experimental. 
It's experimental and has not been treated like other vaccines, which we can sue for adverse reactions. So let's just go there. With the COVID vaccine, you've had healthy students drop dead or have the, um, the issues with their heart inflammation as a result of the vaccine. And three of my friends from Lansing have had blood clots. That was early on with the Johnson Johnson. This was the one shot. But they had blood clots and had to go on blood thinners. So for me, you weigh in the, the issues of it, but children were not at a risk for death, for mortality, for the COVID itself. And it's still, you cannot sue for adverse reactions. The polio, yes. And the other vaccines, yes. But COVID did not because it's an experimental um, vaccine for emergency use only. By them mandating it, did not mean that it was not um, suspended from emergency use. You just could not um, put in uh, a claim if an adverse effect occurred. And my husband had an adverse effect on his first shot. And so he could not take it after that or the booster. So I'm just sharing that with you that, um, you know, people can't recover. And now keeping it in emergency use and putting it as a mandate, the mandate was a big issue. So the other question that was on that paper is, what is the cost of security for all um, grand-led public schools, in your opinion? What is the cost of security? Security. The cost of security is the health and safety and well-being of children. No, the, the financial cost. I don't know what the financial cost would be, but we have COVID money to be able to address that. So I can tell you with the last little shooting that the door was cracked open, correct? Mm -hmm. And so, um, at my house, I pay $35 a month from Xfinity or Comcast Security. I can look right now and see what's going on around my house. And I can see what doors and windows are open, just from my phone. Now, I, I'm assuming $35 would be more than that for the schools, but if you stick with just $35, and maybe some armed security, maybe some armed policing expanding the, um, the Grand Lens Police Force, giving them the money to do um, the school checks. Maybe you don't want somebody there all the time, but maybe they come and they do so many hours a day, they expand their, um, their force to have someone stationed uh, nearby, or a satellite inside the school. Here's a programs that have been around for a year nationally at, at GOGS, y'all, mm -hmm. and I think it was and what it does is it people within the community that want to volunteer their time at different schools and go through big background checks to make sure that they're safe to do that, and they volunteer their time to just come into the school and just be there and sit with them in the schools and so forth. What I would suggest is you take the professionals that have gone on their hip to be able to do that. And I, and I say that is that we secure um, we secure our nuclear facilities, we secure our um, capital building when it's empty. There's a 24-7 state police in your capital building regardless of whether anybody's in there all the time. We secure 
uh, random things at the Capitol. They had for months after uh, January 20th, 500 state police officers and National Guard uh, sleeping and eating dog food, basically, in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, to secure what? What? And so we need to fortify the soft targets, which is our pressure. That is the number one thing, and we have the money from the Post dollars to do it, to pay armed law enforcement to do it. You have law enforcement, use them to pay them and put them into the schools, around the schools, and fortify the schools. They can walk through and determine what uh, breach, what you know, what um, what the, uh, the the security plan or the uh, the soft target plan. Law enforcement should be able to say, this, you know, put put these windows, you maybe fortify these windows. Um, maybe you need to have some, you know, locking system. I went over to um, Kim's house yesterday. She's got this little doorbell. She can see who's coming in through the door. That is simple. We have that. Fake light. You know, whatever it is, or not fake light, but it's a ring, ring. So that's some of the things that we can use and we have the money to do this. I'm going to go quickly here. What are your specific uh, educational qualifications to be elected to the school board? So there are no specific educational qualifications that you have to have to be elected to the school board. We have people on our school board and all school boards of all walks of life. You do not have to have an education background. I've got third degree, I'm a parent, I've gone through school. There's seven of us on board. We make up and we come from all walks of life. The school should be a representation of the community. To have people on the school board that are all in one line of work or whatever does not mean representing the community. Um, I have an associate's degree in business management. I don't have four degrees like Dr. Carver, but I've got the degree of common sense.
so that they could rise and they both graduated with academic honors. I navigated that. I sat in on an ad hoc committee with Waverly Public Schools and negotiating through the choice for my children, making the case, and then years later they were able to graduate. My daughter escaped two grades that were there. And she went to Michigan State University. My son was in the Army. He uh, just finished his uh, time in the Army as a veteran now. And he went to Howard University. And I will tell you that I did that with a high school diploma. I did not get my education until my children were out of school. And so I'm sharing that with you because do not look down on a high school diploma. Do, do not. Do not underestimate a pissed off mom who wants to ask for her children. Or Papa Bear. I'm just telling you that for real. Because um, I, I got my degrees later. But I did everything that I could to give my children a very quality education and lasting that not going to college. So I did that, and these people are going to do the same for your children. Hey, really quick. So, radical, I looked at the definition. Part of the definition says it's somebody that's going to advocate. So, what is wrong with us advocating for our kids and your kids? Last I knew it was okay to advocate for them. Because that is what we are doing. So, you call us radical all you want. It's not going to change anything. And radical wants to just get free, right? Okay, we're going to go through the very, yeah, very quickly, one circumstances. Um, how did Fort Niagara? Pornographic books get in our school libraries in the first place. And Dr. Linda Lee, at the state level, what will we do about this? So um, I don't know if that was for me, but if it is for me, we can do a purge if we have the vote. We need uh, Tudor Dixon, a Republican elected. She has four daughters, and um, she's just as committed to education as I am to see uh, what's happening. I want to just write it down, Article 8, Section 1 of our state's constitution. Article 8, Section 1 of our state's constitution. It is the entrance to the education component for the state. Article 8, Section 1 of our state's constitution says, Religion, morality, and knowledge are essential for good governance and the happiness of mankind. Therefore, public education in this state shall be encouraged. That is in our constitution. Religion, morality, and knowledge are essential. Period. And when it comes to morality, we're not going to get it out of a porn book or soft porn book. It is not a requirement. New legislation has come. It is not a requirement to have just any book placed in the school. Parents, you have the right under MCL 380.10 to say, I don't like it. And Dearborn led the way in pulling the books that the parents thought were agreed. And that is what I will do at a state level, and I'm asking the school board to do it at a local level. Here's another question. What are the specific tenets of critical race theory are being taught in the early elementary level? Please and thank you. Critical race theory. You want me to do the, I can, I can take this. So the tenets of critical race theory is saying that as a result of slavery, there is systemic racism in our in our society. And because of the systemic racism, that's you see the disparity between black and white in terms of academics, in terms of incarceration, in, in terms of other areas of life and quality of life. It is real. 
It is not critical race theory. It is not because white people are oppressors, and it's certainly not because of slavery. It is because of liberal policies. Liberal policies are what's killing black folks, and they have a legitimate reason to be concerned in communities of color. Legitimate. I'm not taking away these school and prison pipelines when 92% of third graders in Detroit cannot read. And 92% of all black children in Lansing down the street cannot are not proficient in the subject. It is a reality that they're living, and the only answer that is being given to them is racism. Racism. Not poor teaching, not not the um, the issues with these school unions that are taking over where we can't place teachers in good classes. And teachers who have tenure and experience in classroom management will have a choice of some of the easier coursework, while new teachers are placed in a situation where they cannot thrive. So there are policies, even down the road, in Ingham County, they won't even prosecute for felony firearms. It's going to look like Chicago in 2022. They, they do no cash bail. You can defecate in Kalamazoo, and nothing will happen to you. And starting January 1st, 2023, in Chicago, Second-degree murder, kidnapping will not be prosecuted. Well, oh yeah, it'll be prosecuted, but they'll you'll have to, they won't hold you. And they cannot pursue you for two days. And if someone uh, comes into your home or stays in your shed or garage, you they can give them a ticket, but they cannot remove them. So I'm just telling you, read up on what's happening uh, in these liberal bastions. Um, level for athletics, 
from there, I believe it's on a case-by-case basis with the athletic director, but I am not 100% sure if that is the case. I hope that answers your question. But every July, I will still be able to participate in sports. It's a great opportunity as well as a free market spot for our students. I will keep you sure with limited personally. I'm going to get the um, ladies and gentlemen uh, into questions so that you can take them. I'm going to give you two each. This one has a favorite one, so the voting is me. Okay, so um, they've got two questions. They're going to answer those, and then we're going to do rapid ones. This one deals with the voting machines. Uh, we're working on voting machines, and this is here that there are an equal number of Democrats, Republicans working in those precincts. And if you have not volunteered, please do that. There's poll challenges as well. The Dominion machines that were connected to the internet uh, in certain locations um, could have been tampered with, may have been tampered with, but they should not have a internet connection for these machines. So I believe those will be there. And then the philosophy and basics of acceptable and proper worldview that I think will be articulated today. A bread and butter question without a doubt may have been a curriculum is the cornerstone of the success of failure of very young students. Who controls the curriculum committee as defined by the labor contract between the school district and the LEA? I think General Friday, do you know the answer to that? Uh, the LEA has nothing to do with the curriculum. The curriculum is, I believe, uh, our superintendent has a committee that is made up of parents and teachers and some. The standards are by the State Board of Ed. And then you develop curriculum to meet those standards. And so the school board does adopt the curriculum to meet the state board of ed standards. Does that make sense? And was that changed after the administration was, was not treated in the past? Okay, yeah, so the state the, board. The Grammar Education Association has a fine mark on the board of any curriculum that is passed in the Grammar of Schools. I know because I was a school board mm -hmm. subject to it. Okay, well then maybe you can talk to these two, Louis. Uh, I mean, that's the bread and butter. You can talk about all the really views if you want to that will be asked. And most of them in this room agree. But if you can't get it to a committee and get it into reality, you got money. Yeah. So we've got rapid responses, very short responses. I'm going to start with you. All right, so my first one is if you had been on the board at that time, would you have been the dismissal of um, I started participating in the meetings while it was happening, so I do not know the ins and the outs. I can't say for sure what I did because I was not part of the intricate discussions. Um, my personal opinion, um, Dr. Metcalf was talking on his own personal time from himself, not the position on the school board. There comes a point where he is to be allowed to have his own personal opinion. Should he have said what he said? Maybe not. Should he have been fired for it? Maybe not. My other last question is, I'm a lifelong Grandma resident, graduate from Grandma Sports and Grand Cruz DL, has always found it inclusive. The left thing does not Why? Why is this occurring? What is your goal? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> and my question is, I received an email yesterday from Michigan Deserves Better that implies that school board members must come from the education field. Is this a requirement to run for the Grand Lake School Board? It is not. I just want to counter that earlier. And 
question, but it's not a requirement to run for any school board. Um, the second one is at board meetings, I've noticed that the rules are very different for school board members and environment. Audience members are not allowed to criticize board members by name. However, the same rules do not apply to school board members. I assume one of the two to three verbally attack audience members by name. How would you treat audience members at school board meetings? <laughs> All right, so this question is lost, so I will paraphrase. Um, the number of autistic children um, is increasing. Uh, we have two to possibly three. How can the schools cope? Um, they talk about removing the grand flag. So basically, how can grand flags cope with these children? Being that at times they are disruptive in class. And you can't have that one on one. So I believe, in my opinion, being that my son is autistic. Um, you have to make sure that you are having your reading done. Figure out what we need to do to compensate your child. Do I believe there's enough staff to handle the number? No, I don't. I think it's time that we find ways to make it more of a one-on-one -on -one or in a small group setting with these children to help them cope day to day. And I guess they're disruptive. I get it. Um, but we have to find a way to deal with them and give them the same education that they are qualified to get moving forward. And we will work on that and we will see what we can do to make that better. The next question does not surprise us. So, why do you think it's appropriate to state at a public school board meeting that you will put your name on the neck of the school board? Now, the funny thing is, out of my mouth was, put my knee on the neck of the system. Nowhere in there did I say the school board. Well, let me just say this. How is it okay for the past superintendent, Dr. Davenport, to say that at a BLM rally? If he can say, and I'm quoting from him, and he says it's okay, then why can't I? Oh, at least he said my point. We, as community members and parents, we need to put pressure on the school board to make a change. And that's what my statement meant. That's what Dr. Davenport stated here because him and I talked one on one about it. It is no secret. If he can get away with it, so can I. So if people want to take it out of context and say that it was meant through the school board, and that's what I said, well, it's not what I said. Go back and watch the video. Well, that is it. Let's give them a hand.